Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. This is the second of a short series, a mini-series, in John chapter 19 in the run-up to Easter. And this week it's focusing on John 19 verses 17 to 27. And just to forewarn you, it doesn't start with a reading of the passage, it goes straight into it. So you might like to read the passage first at John 19 verses 17 to 27. Thanks so much for joining me today everyone. I hope that you enjoy. Well, we're going to spend a few minutes thinking about this passage, and uh, we're thinking, I want you to begin with that question, what, what does Christ's death achieve? What does Christ's death achieve? We don't often think about, about that question, and certainly not, we often think about it in quite narrow terms, that we think about the individual benefits of Christ's death in terms of the forgiveness of sins. Uh, but... I think we often conceive of the Christian life in very individual terms, don't we? And we often think, well, it's about my relationship with God. It's about me uh, and being forgiven and just me and, me and God. But actually, Christ's death has, has implications for us as a church as well. And we need to consider that. And that's one of the things that really struck me as I was preparing this passage uh, for today, thinking actually that... The cross has implications for all of us together. And so in this passage, um, we following on from last week, the soldiers, they, they took charge of Jesus and uh, they took him to, the, to Golgotha, the place uh, of the skull. And they crucified him in the middle of two, two thieves. Um, and uh, it makes the point that there's one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Maybe John is, is making the point, as it says in Isaiah 53 verse 12, that Jesus was numbered among the transgressors. And that's making the point that he was uh, counted among the thieves, the people who deserved uh, to be punished. And Pilate, he uh, had a, a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. And it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews... And the Jews, the, the Jewish leaders, they, uh, they said, don't write the king of the Jews. Say, this man claimed to be uh, the king of the Jews. They're unhappy with, with that. Um, but it's, I think it's one of these little signposts of God's, God's sovereignty as we look through the gospel that God is, um, God is in charge. The irony is that that's a completely true thing, what Pilate put, and yet he didn't know it. Just like Caiaphas did back in uh, John chapter 11, just after the, the episode with Lazarus. John chapter 11, verses 49 and 50. One of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realise that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. And uh, he prophesied that uh, even without really knowing, not understanding what Jesus uh, what was going on. So it's, it's fascinating how God is in charge, even over these things that, that Caiaphas did, that Pilate did, that God's sovereignty is over every part of, of the plan. And um, so the soldiers turned to the soldiers and they, they took his clothes and they divided them, but the undergarment was um, 
were seamless, so they couldn't divide it up. And so they say, well, let's roll dice for it. We'll, we'll decide by lot um, who gets it. And um, again, it says, this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So again, this is the second, the second thing that shows God's sovereignty over everything. That what happened had been predicted hundreds of years before in the Psalms. But what, what fascinated me, and I, I don't think I'd ever really been struck by this before, this is from Psalm 22, that quotation. And you know how Psalm 22 begins? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is the psalm that Jesus quotes on the cross. And um, I think it's not actually in John, it's in think, Matthew and Mark, it's mentioned. So you think Jesus was familiar with Psalm 22. Jesus must have been saying that and seeing what the soldiers were doing and seeing God's plan unfolding. It's, it's um, mind-blowing really, isn't it, to think about what Jesus was, he was seeing God's plan, the fulfilment of scripture unfolding before his eyes, even there on the cross, and he was aware. Uh, and, and then you have this last little paragraph here, which is um, talking about Mary, um, the mother of Jesus, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Uh, Mary was a very common name, as you can imagine. And, um, and Jesus sees his mother and the disciple whom he loved, who we presume is John, who wrote, uh, wrote the gospel. And he says, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And, and the disciple took her into his home. As it says in the, um, uh, in, I think the version that Sheila read, it said, dear woman. But actually Jesus just says, woman. And it makes the point in the NIV and the church Bibles that that wasn't a disrespectful term. And that's what he called his mother before. Do you remember back in the first one of these, when we looked at the first of the seven signs in John, the wedding at Cana? And there, uh, in, uh, in John chapter 2, verse 4, Jesus says, Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And we thought then about how um, Mary, was, his mother, was trying to use her motherly authority over him to get him to do something. And Jesus says, no. He doesn't say mother, he says woman. He says, I'm, I'm not relating to you as a mother, as a, but as a woman. Um, and that's the thing that Jesus is, is doing, is redefining family. Jesus is, is making a whole new family. So in Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50, this is what it says. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus is saying to be part of God's family, you are someone that needs to be someone who does the will of God. To believe and trust in Jesus. 
And when we come to Jesus, we are made part of a new family. We don't cease being part of our our earthly families, but it takes on a relative importance. That we now belong, as Christians, we belong to God's family. You take a look round, you're not looking at people who just happen to be going to church, but you're looking at your actual family. And it's significant that this happens at the cross. That this is the moment, this is the moment that that Jesus uh, brings his mother and John kind of together. Because the cross doesn't just reconcile us to God. It's not just that, that vertical dimension. But it reconciles us to each other as well. And it's through the cross that we can come in to that to God's family through the cross that we can be reconciled to each other and begin uh, enjoying those kind of relationships so that's that's um, that's what I wanted to to focus on today really just thinking about that question do we do we think about our church as our family I know we talk a lot about the church family uh, in Great Clacton but you think about um, it, it's such a mindset change, isn't it? You know, do we treat our fellow Christians, our fellow church family, as we would our own family? I think about, for example, my um, my my two sisters, and if they were in trouble, if they needed to come and stay or something, then would I treat them differently to if it was a member of the church family who was in trouble? And I think, to be honest. Um, it probably would be different. But is that, is that right? And this is the question. I think during this last 12 months, during the time of the pandemic, and we were talking about this just beforehand, how people have been isolated, and I think we have begun to realise the importance of family and relationships, haven't we? And I think God's been teaching us that in a new way, about how important it is that we need each other in a way that perhaps we hadn't seen before. And so my little challenge that I'd like to, that I'd like to finish with um, is uh, thinking about putting this into practice. How might we go about um, putting this into practice? And I think the important thing is about investing in relationships. If you saw the Lent meeting last week, I did my little thing about this. Um, but my challenge is, can you perhaps... Um, invest in relationships within the church and my suggestion is to to meet with maybe one other person or a small group of people outside of a church service get to know them like really get to know them you know not just kind of chat over coffee um, but actually you know get to know what their uh, what's going on in their lives and you can share what's going on in your life and pray for each other Home groups are, um, for some people, home groups are the way, the right way of doing that. I know that there are other people who meet and who who pray and so on, and and that's really good. But maybe let's be thinking, how can we put this into practice over the coming months as we emerge from, from the COVID situation? How can we be that kind of church family? How can we show that we've been reconciled to one another? Let's maybe have that, have that conversation going as a church 
and think about how we can um, how we can move forward because I think it's important for all of us to be uh, to be involved in this. So let's take a moment to pray and ask for God's help. And it, I think I've been I've just been reading a book, um, Communion with God by John Owen. I just finished it last night, um, but he finishes off by talking about communion with the Holy Spirit. And um, I think it's so encouraging to know that you know, we have the help of the Holy Spirit because otherwise the Christian life would be impossible, wouldn't it? You know, we're all weak and uh, we need God's help um, more than anything. So let's pray and ask for God's help as we, uh, we face these times. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross and for um, the reconciliation that it brings. We thank you for the forgiveness uh, that you offer to us. Uh, but we also thank you, Heavenly Father, that you reconcile, uh, reconcile us with each other. And we pray that you would help us to grow uh, more deeply in knowing what that means for us, how we are as a church, uh, what that means for us as a church family, and how uh, practically, Lord, how we can express that love, how we can move forward uh, together. So we pray that you would... Um, bind us together in the words of that song and help us Lord to to live out um, the way that Jesus taught us to live to love one another we pray this all in Jesus name Amen. Amen